I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Someone else is going to have to take my important phone calls. It's time for my 11 a.m. nap. It's high noon for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Follow the podcast on Parlor. Why not? And I'm your moderator. Or on Gab. And I'm your moderator. Or on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion thread at t.me slash be reasonable discussion. So, today is the 27th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, who right now has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. But the American people knew that they had such high morals that they could never allow Donald Trump to get into office because the only thing worse than concentration camps filled with vulnerable populations of religious ethnic minorities is having to read angry tweets from Alyssa Milano, apparently. So there's that. Joe's also the patriarch of one of the nation's worst, most corrupt families and the father of one of the world's all-time worst sons. And he apparently can't take his own phone calls now. So another great success, Communist America, You have really done it this time. Everything you ever wanted is now coming true. How does it feel? You are the victors. Shouldn't you be acting like it instead of obsessing still over Donald Trump and making up stories about domestic terrorism? Get back to your priorities, commies. You have babies to kill and electricity to shut down. And you've got to tell everybody what the science is, even though you have a degree in gender studies. Whoop-de-doo! All right, let's get into the issues of the day. We're going to speak from an anti-communist perspective, as always. For those new listeners, 
I usually sound better than this. Why do I sound so bad? Because I'm not in my normal studio. Am I going to get back there? Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be better than ever. And within the next couple of months, you might see me on video in a real studio, running around, acting like a jackass. Will I be sitting around the whole time? Probably not. I'll probably get up. Maybe I'll do calisthenics on the podcast. Not as good for the people just listening to the audio, but hey, you got to experiment with the format. Add some cutting edge innovations. That's what it's all about. Ask Anthony Fauci. He won a million dollars for defending the science and for technological advancement based on his theory of wear more masks. So congratulations to Anthony Fauci. Let's start out with something so stupid you can't believe it and you'd be inclined to ignore it, except it's also so stupid and malicious that it's actually horrifying. And here we go. Amy Kramer, one of the women who was setting up the Trump rallies, the Stop the Steal rallies, she wrote on, I guess, Friday on Twitter, roses are red, violets are blue, Trump won the election, and they installed a number two. That's true. Joe Biden really is a number two. Who does number two work for? The Chinese Communist Party. I could have answered that immediately. Is she saying Joe Biden's a piece of shit? Probably. If she's not, I am. Anyhow, Twitter put a warning on this tweet which says this claim of election fraud is disputed and this tweet can't be replied to, retweeted, or liked due to a risk of violence. And that's the scary part because now we have abused and mangled our language to such a degree where now even making jokes about the obvious election fraud that definitely did happen. But even joking around about this is too much for the Nazis on Twitter and for the Nazis in your little like young mom vegan yoga group or the young Nazis who hang out at Instagrammable coffee shops. You know the kinds of people I'm talking about. Commie mommies, for instance. A risk of violence, everything, everything now that questions the integrity of the election, an election, again, that was decided by the media and supported by the media and social media, and the CCP communists in our country, an election that clearly, clearly Joe Biden did not win, even though he was forced into office through fraud and the denial that fraud ever happened and this sort of censorship. So now any questioning of the election 
is considered to pose a risk of violence. How long until questioning the election is actually just straight up called violence? Now, the claim here all stems, obviously, from the January 6th event at the Capitol that Donald Trump was fake impeached for and acquitted, obviously, but they are still trying to use this thing. Now, are they attacking Donald Trump by censoring Amy Kramer? Maybe partly, but what they're mostly doing is telling everybody else If you even talk about this, we will silence you. Now, I don't know why people are still on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Whatever benefit you think you're deriving from those websites, I promise you, you are not. It is making you unhappier. It is making you focus on material concerns, Why is that person on vacation? Why is that person having a nice dinner when I can only afford to have something that I've eaten for the last 20 days? There are Americans out there thinking that right now, and they're feeling worse. They're thinking that the goal of their life is to measure up to the standards of the people they follow on Instagram, and it makes people very unhappy. It also completely compromises your privacy. And if you trust any of these big tech platforms to not use anything and everything you say against you, you're making a severe miscalculation. Twitter is as bad as it gets. Being on these platforms makes no sense. You're also delaying the move to the new platforms where information will be shared freely and openly and more effectively and your view of what the world actually thinks and believes is becoming skewed by these platforms because that is what they do. Their purpose is to convince you of things you would never believe otherwise. The information they're sending you is tailored to have, you, to have a cumulative effect on how you feel and what you think. This isn't me making it up. It's not a conspiracy. There's more than ample work done on this, and it's not hard to find. Knowing that, why are you allowing yourself to be made subject to this? You think it's worth it to stay on there. Oh, this is where my friends are. Pretend that you have some sort of business interest there. But you don't. You don't. And if you do, you need to start making plans for new ways to conduct your business. Because you are operating on an unstable platform that has the ability now, the declared ability now, to shut you down and shut you out based on what is said in your private direct messages. Does that make you feel safe? If so, I would argue that you're crazy. Either that 
or you're a Nazi and you're not worried about saying anything against the Nazi cause because you support the Nazi cause. I mean, after all, that's why you voted for Joe Biden. Am I calling Joe Biden Hitler? Of course not. Joe Biden can't think in complete sentences. Joe Biden is basically a hologram that much more powerful, intelligent, evil people speak through. Joe just says the things he needs to say. That doesn't mean he's not pure evil. He certainly is. But he's the more passive kind of evil, where he'll just do whatever because it benefits him. And he's so immoral and now irrational that he just assumes what he's doing is the right thing. Very fucking dangerous here. The idea that they can say that a joke about election fraud creates a risk of violence. That is a statement about Trump supporters, about the 75 million plus people who voted for Donald Trump and did so for the right reasons. All of those people are assumed to be stupid and prone to violence. That's what this Twitter warning says. This joke is going to have such a dangerous impact on these people because they're so stupid and they're so prone to violence that simply by giving any air to the idea of election fraud, you are creating an atmosphere for violence. And you can also see by what the government is doing now and the various threats about suing Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection. They're going after this. And they're not going to stop. I mean, they will get stopped because it's a dead end. But they're not going to stop trying. This is the motivation now. And just how incompetent is Joe Biden right now? Boom, segue, subtle. You barely saw it coming. Kamala Harris is now taking Joe Biden's head of state phone calls. He talked, she, sorry, talked to Justin Trudeau and Emmanuel Macron. Is that a good thing? Well, to the communists on Twitter, I'm sure it's a good thing. They're like, hell yeah, strong person of color, woman, stepping up and showing those foreign French-speaking white men what's up. What incredible initiative. All we needed to do was get a woman in power, and then she would take the initiative. That's not what's happening you communist morons. Although I'm sure it says it in fucking Teen Vogue or whatever you guys read now so that you can get your fill of reality television and Cardi B like the teenagers you still pretend to be even though you're 37. Honestly, we are four weeks into this fake presidency. Joe Biden is playing Mario Kart at Camp David supposedly, and also supposedly traveling to Wisconsin, gonna check to see what plane he uses, to do a town hall on CNN. 
but he hasn't spoken to Israel, to Netanyahu. Kamala Harris is taking his phone calls to Canada and France. What is Joe Biden doing aside from pretending to sign executive actions? I was watching a bit of Jen Psaki's press conference today, Jen Circle Back, and she didn't answer any questions. It's honestly embarrassing what they're doing. I mean, I know that none of the commies that voted for them are actually engaged with the political process at all. I know they don't watch this stuff except highlights on Rachel Maddow so that she can tell you how everything is still okay and you're still a good boy. You're still a good girl. You're still a good them. Got to get that every day. Little Rachel, tell me I'm great, Rachel. Tell me everything's okay, Rachel. Jen Psaki says it'll be a couple of months before Joe Biden has an in-person meeting with a world leader. Really? The country with the most powerful military on the face of the world, the country whose currency is the basis for the world's monetary system, the country that is expected in many ways to be leading the world, something Joe Biden said he was specifically good at doing. That's what he would do is restore the United States in the eyes of the world. He would make us moral again. He would make us intelligent again. He would make us follow science again. Where is he? His vice president, fake vice president, is taking phone calls with world leaders. He's doing CNN town halls. And he has no plans of meeting world leaders face to face. And they're going to call this COVID, of course. In a normal administration, the fact that the vice president is taking the phone calls with world leaders, that's the sort of information that the White House would never want to allow to get out there because it makes the president look incredibly weak, not only just in America, but around the world. Are we to imagine other world leaders aren't seeing this? Or perhaps they've already been given the message that the Joe thing, that's just temporary. Because everyone knows that Joe Biden is compromised. The world leaders, the rest of the people around the world, just simply are not as stupid as your friends on Instagram. The ones who said that Hunter Biden's laptop was surely Russian disinformation. I mean, they did read an article that said that, and everybody knows articles are 100% true when they confirm what I already think. And so I don't need to actually go and test any of the claims in the articles. I don't need to do research and find out if the things that they're saying are true and they can prove them. Just take the article, 50 former intelligence heads 
said it was Russian disinformation, so I guess it must be. That's how dumb the Joe Biden voter is. They accepted that at face value. Or they accepted it because it was expedient. And they didn't want to have to face the fact that Joe Biden and his son might be the most corrupt people in the history of the American presidency or in the history of American presidential races, let's say, because you'd actually have to be a real legitimate president to get included in the other conversation. And of course, Joe Biden is not that. But the rest of the countries in the world, other world leaders, they did not have any questions about whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Do you think that they were fooled last year with the Trump impeachment over Ukraine? You think that their intelligence agencies didn't know what the Biden family was doing over there? Ukraine, Russia, China, Romania. It's a mystery to the rest of the world. As much a mystery as it is to the American millennial communists who deny the possibility that this stuff is true. All of you people, American commies, who run around thinking that you are the paragon of political insight, world knowledge, and virtue are fucking morons compared to people all around the world who don't even have an education, much less the expensive one you paid for. That's how obvious the truth of these situations is. Other countries don't lie about this stuff. I mean, they may lie about this stuff in the media and whatnot. Of course they do. They're all telling the same story. But normal people don't see the pictures and the proof and they don't read these stories and see how well they're backed up and see videos of Joe Biden's son getting a foot job or a blow job or having sex with a Chinese hooker. They don't see that stuff and think, oh, that's got to be Russian disinformation. Rudy Giuliani is the first one to talk about it. I guess it means that's Russian disinformation. Oh, the FBI had it for over a year before it ever come out, came out? Russian disinformation. Oh, the FBI had it while Donald Trump was being accused and impeached over a phone call with Ukraine, the country that Joe and Hunter Biden were actually doing these corrupt deals with? Burisma, that whole thing? Yeah. American millennial communists are so dumb that they think they are ahead of the game while the rest of the world laughs at them. And they can think all they want that the rest of the world is laughing at Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. And I'm sure that there are people around the world doing that. Those people just happen to be as dumb and gullible and tricked as our American communists. Months before Joe Biden will meet a world leader. You almost have to wonder if he simply doesn't have the authority to do it. 
How many other explanations could there be? Is he too physically debilitated to do it? Well, quite possibly. They're going to say travel restrictions and COVID, but we know that's not true. We know that's not true. Mike Pompeo was flying to what I think India or Taiwan in his last week in office. So world leaders are definitely able to meet around the world. I think that they've got the whole COVID thing figured out. You might also realize that world leaders who are paying attention to the intelligence and the science, they actually know that the things I say about COVID happen to be true. The things that the media says to you about COVID are the things that they want the media to say to you about COVID. Doesn't mean that they're true. World leaders have no illusions about this. The idea that everyone is constantly getting tricked is crazy. That's what you always think. Oh, well, they're doing their best. They just didn't realize this other thing. No, they know they're not doing their best. They're doing what they want to do. And what they want to do is increase their own power. The other half of this, the people, the half that people always miss or always misrepresent while they're busy calling things conspiracies is they think, no, none of these people could be that immoral. They would never risk all these hundreds of thousands of people of lives, of people's lives on this lie. And in some way, you're right. That's not what these people imagine that they're doing. They have a worldview. They have a way that they think things should turn out. The problem is that worldview doesn't account for actual human nature, doesn't account for actual human lives. And because an inherent element of these sorts of plans is the idea that they are the best at deciding other people's futures, that the other people should just listen to them and do what they say. Because after all, they're the experts. They're the ones who have really, really thought about this. And they have determined what is best for you. So of course they don't think of it as I'm gonna sacrifice these 200,000 lives on a lie, they think this process is how we get to the best possible world. We've planned it all out. This is where the world's going. This is how we do it. And then they just see everything else as collateral damage. And maybe they're hoping it doesn't happen. Maybe they're hoping it doesn't go like that. Everyone has ways of justifying and rationalizing their morality. It doesn't matter what the subject is. And again, this is one of the, this is one of the ways that we get to this point in life where an entire society, an entire global society even, has become so corrupted. And, you know, again, I'm not a religious person, but if we don't have a solid moral foundation which, again, 
I have my qualms with, but it is one of the things that religion used to be good at providing. At least there was a common understanding. Now there's no common understanding. We have stepped further and further and further and further away from any common core of moral values. And when people start excusing their bad behavior, it, al it allows other people to do the same. And sooner or later, truly bad behaviors get accepted by society and become part of society. Where now the really bad behaviors, the ones that used to re, you know, eject people from society, are how these people become the most powerful in society. And evil people becoming powerful when no one stops them, when a society has come to accept evil, that's not anything new. This is human nature. This is how these things work. This is the same way it works in the animal kingdom. You're the biggest and strongest and baddest, the most aggressive, the one who's willing to do anything. Well, without a system of common morality, you're going to get pretty far because nothing can hold you accountable. That's where we are right now. Now to the fake election for just a moment. Interesting news today out of Fox 5 Atlanta. Now, if you followed the election fraud, which obviously no communists did, but at some point you would have seen this man, uh, you know, middle-aged dude, kind of medium length hair, stupid vote mask on. You know, a couple months ago, I think this video came out where he was talking about how in Fulton County, Georgia, something like 94 or maybe it was 96% of the ballots there went to adjudication, which means rather than reading the vote off the ballot, the ballot is deemed to be unclear about its intent. And then a few people who are supposed to be nonpartisan and bipartisan poll watchers actually agree on what the voter's intent was likely to be and then the ballot is counted accordingly. Imagine that happening for 94 to 96% of ballots. Like, let's say that you have 99 friends. There's 100 of you. And you all get together and you're like, we're all going to vote tonight. We're going to fill out our ballots together. And you all do it. You don't look at each other's ballots. It's not about coordinating just about doing it. You fill them all out, put them all in a pile and you send them all in. If someone came back and told you that 95 people in that room out of the hundred have to have their ballots redone and changed 
by someone else, someone you don't know, and you can't have oversight on, how would you feel about the integrity of your vote? A hundred people still in a room. Only five of those people can be sure that their vote gets counted in the way they voted it. That's horrible. And that happened not a hundred times. That happened to, I think, 113,000 ballots in Fulton County alone in this guy's jurisdiction. Okay? And that's happened all around the country as well. And remember, the thing about adjudication is that the Dominion machines and these other voting machines, they can allow for adjudications in batches. So they could feed 50 batches into the machine, say, oops, all 50 need adjudication, and then they can select the entire batch, give them all to Joe Biden, and then feed it back through. And now, whatever those 50 votes were, they've become 50 Joe Biden votes. And because they were adjudicated and the first ballot was illegible, then we can't really rely on the first ballot when doing a hand recount because then it would just have to be adjudicated again, right? So what do you do to solve that? Well, you have the voting machine create a ballot image. But the ballot image has the new information on it. So when you recount it, the recount is going to say exactly what the original post-adjudication count says and not what the voter said. A hundred people in the room, you're one of them. Only five people in the room get to know that their ballot was counted correctly. And oh, here's the last thing. You don't know which five it is. Is it you? Are you comfortable with those odds? Because every single person who failed to object to the certification of Joe Biden's fraudulent win said that that process was okay for everyone else. Everyone else. Everybody who lives in a place that took money from Mark Zuckerberg to help them with their voting, with their little drop boxes, with their little universal mail-in ballots, millions of extra mail-in ballots just flying around the world. Who knows where they are? The shadow knows. Uh, the people who sent them out know. You think the Secretary of State's office in California doesn't have access to the records of who's moved from the post office or who died from the coroners? Of course they do. They could purge their voter rolls. They don't. They're told that purging voter rolls for people who moved away or died is racist. And so when we get all these people who have voted while living out of state or while dead, we're told that that's an insignificant problem. 
yeah, okay, it happens here and there, but there's no evidence of widespread abuse. Certainly none that would change an election that we're telling you for sure was a Joe Biden 7 million vote win. All of this is deeply dishonest and deeply immoral. And in a sane country, people would realize that this is how you enter dystopias. And we would pull back from the brink. Instead, we go harder toward it. Because what the people actually empower right now, and empowered by all these communists who are addicted to the central narrative, that's what they want. Initially, we had the illusion of choice. This is even breaking down the illusion. Why would they even bother holding elections anymore? And of course, once they stop, then no one has to lie about it. We're just in a totalitarian, military-enforced dictatorship forever, just like China. Congratulations, commies. Anyway, here's the uh, article, Fox 5 Atlanta. Fulton County, Georgia. Fulton County is parting ways with its registrations and elections director. The Fulton County Election Board voted 3-2 Tuesday to fire Richard Barron after receiving criticism for its handling of the presidential and Senate runoff. Barron served in the position for eight years. Barron's firing comes after a series of elections where the county was criticized by state election officials and targeted over rumors about vote tampering. In November, the Georgia Secretary of State's office opened two investigations into Fulton County's handling of the 2020 election involving the, quote, chain of custody dealing with votes. Again, chain of custody was a massive issue in almost every state. All the Dropbox states, chain of custody. Ballots showing up late at counting places. TCF Center, State Farm Arena, and elsewhere. Chain of custody. Drop boxes, mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, all massive chain of custody problems that we're pretending don't matter. Because if you get upset at them, what are you doing? Well, you're encouraging violence, first of all, and then you're trying to suppress the vote, which makes you racist, even though those are not connected at all. The county received regular criticism from the Secretary of State's office with complaints about delays caused by technical problems and a lack of manpower due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Lies! Quote, Fulton County did not do well. They were not ready for the onslaught. They had computers down, faculties not open. I think that should be facilities not open. And used inexperienced poll workers all over the county. NAACP Atlanta President Richard Rose told Fox 5 after the second day of early voting in the 2020 election. This is not the first time the county had been criticized for election delays. In 2017, an issue with the software at the Fulton County Elections Preparation Center led to delays in election vote reporting for hours. Shocker. Fulton County was also the focus of allegations of voter fraud by former President Donald Trump, who claimed that thousands of ballots were illicitly added in the county, as well as through fraudulent mail-in votes in a phone call to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Correct. After multiple counts and audits, no major voting discrepancies have been found. Again, these are not forensic audits, 
And I just explained the adjudication problems when it comes to recounts. This is the end of the article. It actually doesn't even mention the adjudication rates in Fulton County. But go ahead and look them up for yourself. I think it was like a hundred and I want to say 104 or 106,000 out of 113,000. That's how many went to adjudication. That is 1,000 times the example I just gave you about your 100 friends. That same travesty happens 1,000 times in one county. One county, by the way, with a very high African-American population. So once again, whose votes got stolen? Oh, the people that we say automatically vote 95% for Democrats in the first place. Got it. The Democrat Party, as I have said before, and if you want to hear the whole argument, go back. I think I did this in maybe June. But I recorded an essay episode called Apocalypse Now. Go back and find that episode and you can hear my whole argument on this. But the Democrat Party is the last instance of truly systemic institutional racism. And of course it is. They're the ones who talk about race all the time. If people in public knew what you were doing, and you wanted to do some really racist shit, how would you get away with it? Well, you would reconstrue it as actually helping, which is exactly what Democrats have done for my entire lifetime. And that's convincing to anyone who doesn't pay attention because they do it all the time and everywhere. And they give you big events like George Floyd, where they tell you, look, Look at this. This is racism. This is what Republicans do. But George Floyd died from fentanyl. And Republicanism had nothing to do with it. Minneapolis, Minnesota is a Democrat city in a Democrat state. George Floyd didn't die from racism. George Floyd died from fentanyl. And George Floyd had problems with counterfeit money because of the place he worked and the fact that China was sending counterfeit money into our system. And George Floyd happened to be in the middle of that. We don't need to pretend that everything is the way the dumbest people in the world say it is. That's not how we get smart. It's not even a sign of smart. It's just a sign that you know the slogans and you're not independent enough to think beyond them. It's pathetic. Now, let's go to Catherine Herridge yesterday. She tweets about the Capitol riots. Catherine Herridge is a CBS reporter. She is, without question, the best mainstream journalist in the country right now. I can't even think of another one who's doing legitimate work. But new DHS intelligence report from 2 21 
Quote, we judge domestic terrorists will pose an increased threat to government facilities and personnel in 2021. End quote. Another quote. Since late 2019, DHS observed more than a dozen domestic terrorism incidents targeting government facilities or officials, with most occurring since May 2020, end quote. Cities' key drivers, civil unrest, ongoing COVID-19 restrictions, continuing fallout from presidential election, as well as successful breach U.S. Capitol last month. Give me a break. Most occurring since May 2020. Now, what could that be? Domestic terrorism and violence directed at officials and property facilities. Since May 2020. Well, let's think back. What was May 2020? Oh, yeah. That's when George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose and the country exploded as the Democrats ceded and carried out what amounts to a race war and a violent insurrection against our country by communist China and communist militias. Am I overstating it? No. That is actually What happened? Black Lives Matter is a communist organization with foreign funding. Antifa is a communist organization with foreign funding. These organizations are organized. That's the thing about organizations. So this domestic terrorist threat that is now being aimed at Trump supporters, and that they're planning on having a 9-11 style commission to investigate it. And what will that investigation turn up? Well, we don't know yet. But what I'm sure it will turn up is ample justification for them to do a new Patriot Act style piece of legislation specifically directed at Trump supporters and political opposition in order to silence them and turn activities protected by the Bill of Rights into crimes punishable by loss of freedom or property like everything else. May 2020. Most of the incidents occurring since May 2020. That's Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and COVID. The violence resulting from, quote unquote, election fallout was not generated by Trump supporters, nor was the Capitol riot. Were Trump supporters mixed up in it? No doubt. Did some of those Trump supporters go there that day? looking for trouble, no doubt. But was that an organized violent insurrection? No fucking chance. And it's time to stop even pretending that that's a possibility. There's a reason that the Republicans sent that letter to Nancy Pelosi yesterday. And that's because Nancy Pelosi did all those things. Nancy Pelosi had every opportunity to protect the Capitol. She chose not to. 
Nancy Pelosi knows what's going on with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. You think she doesn't talk to George Soros? You think she doesn't talk to community organizers? You think she doesn't talk to China? There's a reason she left Eric Swalwell on the Intelligence Committee, for fuck's sake. And just for fun, I saved the best for last. This is John Solomon from his wonderful outlet, Just the News. Headline, smoking gun, Comey told Clapper, FBI unable to, quote, sufficiently corroborate Steele. That's the Steele dossier. Then signed FISA. Subheadline. In January 2017 email to Intel chief coughed up under court order, the former FBI director contradicted sworn avowal to FISA court that Steele dossier was verified. Here we go. This actually, the story is from uh, yesterday in the evening, but it has since been updated. The very date in 2017 that then FBI Director James Comey signed a FISA surveillance warrant application declaring content from Christopher Steele's dossier had been, quote, verified. He wrote President Obama's outgoing intelligence community chief with a very different assessment of the British spy's intelligence on Russian collusion. A newly released memo shows, quote, we are not able to sufficiently corroborate the reporting, end quote. Comey wrote in a January 12th, 2017 email to then Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, that was declassified and made public through an open records lawsuit by the Southeastern Legal Foundation. The memo recounts an internal debate inside the U.S. intelligence community during one of the most delicate moments in the FBI's then six-month-old crossfire hurricane probe. CIA officials had already informed Comey's FBI that the target of the FISA warrant, Carter Page, wasn't a Russian spy, but rather an asset helping U.S. intelligence. The Bureau had received warnings about Steele and the reliability of his source network, including that it might have been compromised by Russian disinformation. Agents had also recommended on January 4th, 2017, shutting down the probe's inquiry into incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn for lack of evidence. Never forget that, by the way. Pausing. Never forget that. January 4th, 2017. Agents had just recommended shutting down the inquiry into Michael Flynn for lack of evidence. Michael Flynn didn't get clear until, what, three months ago with a presidential pardon? Grave injustice by our our intelligence community, the FBI, the people who are tasked with protecting the rights and freedoms of American citizens. Of course, that's not what they do. Back to the article. The FBI had also warned the previous summer that Hillary Clinton's campaign may have planted the false Russian collusion story as a way to vilify Trump and distract from her email scandal. And agents were about to interview Steele's primary subsource, who would discount much of the information in the dossier attributed to him as bar talk and unconfirmed rumor, not worthy of official intelligence. Again, they knew this before Donald Trump became president. 
They knew that the Russian collusion thing was a hoax generated by Hillary Clinton to vilify Trump and distract from her email scandal. This is not a conspiracy. It's not an opinion. This is what happened. We've been lied to about that now for five years. And there are still people lying about this because they can't believe they were lied to in the first place. Back to the article. And the larger intelligence community had decided it did not want to vouch for the Steele dossier in its official intelligence community assessment about Russian meddling in the 2016 U.S. election. It was in that environment in the final days of the Obama administration that Clapper had written Comey earlier on January 12, 2017, to inform the FBI that Clapper had decided to release a public statement declaring that the Steele dossier was only mentioned in an appendix to the Intel community's report because, quote, the IC has not made any judgment that the information in the document is reliable, end quote. Comey tried to push back, suggesting Steele was deemed reliable. He actually had been terminated by the FBI for leaking by that time. And that his network included sources that might be in a position to know things. Although the key source had already disavowed the information attributed to him in the dossier. I just had a chance to review the proposed talking points on this for today, Comey wrote Clapper. Perhaps it is a nit, but I worry that it may not be best to say, quote, the IC has not made any judgment that the information in the document is reliable. I say that because we have concluded that the source is reliable and has a track record with us of reporting reliable information. We have some visibility into his source network, some of which we have determined to be subsources in a position to report on such things. And much of what he reports in the current document is consistent with and corroborative of other reporting included in the body of the main IC report. Then Comey added the line that undercut his argument. That said, we are not able to sufficiently corroborate the reporting to include it in the body of the report. All right. Pause. Let's break this down. First of all, this sounds exactly like the update slash retraction slash correction that I read on the show yesterday from the New York Times about the death of Brian Sicknick and how it's not at all related to being smashed in the head with a fire extinguisher by a Trump supporter, something that did not happen. Listen to Comey's words. I say that because we have concluded that the source is reliable and has a track record with us of reporting reliable information, all right? So that's already two steps removed from information. A source that he believes because that source, he says, 
has presented other reliable information. And this is his comeback to Clapper because he doesn't agree that the Steele dossier should be left out of the FISA requests and this main report on the intelligence. We have some visibility into his source network, okay? So now they have a source whose reliability is questionable, but they have some visibility into his source network. So that means that there's question about the source's liability, but he feels more comfortable, Comey does, about the source's reliability because he knows some of the places he got his information from. And they believe that some of those elements in the source network have been determined to be subsources who are in a position to report such things. I mean, we're like six or seven levels deep of uncertainty here. And it isn't written this way by mistake. The only reason for people to write this way is to disseminate responsibility onto all sorts of other people. And the media does it for the same exact reason. They'll basically make it so that they're saying, they're, they're leaving open the possibility that the thing that they are saying is wrong. And so that they can still say it, they'll say, yes, I know this might be wrong, but it's based on all of these other people that I also can't verify. So now it's not their responsibility. On some level, they admitted they didn't know. But on another level, they made the argument that they should go forward with it anyway. And now who's responsible? Seven levels deep of uncertainty. If that's the level of certainty you have while trying to slander a presidential candidate and then a president and then undermine his entire administration, you should at least be able to attest to some of the information that you're using to do all this. Much of what he reports in the current document is consistent with and corroborative of other reporting included in the main body or in the body of the main IC report. That is fucking disgraceful. Could you imagine at your job giving an excuse like that to your boss? I mean, I used to I used to wait tables for a long time in my early 20s. And when I was doing that, if I had screwed up an order or forgot to put it in an order altogether, and I gave an excuse like that. Would anyone believe me? Of course not. People would look at me like I'm a liar because I would be lying. 
that would be the sort of excuse. Like if I was owning a business and someone gave me that excuse, I'd be like, Hey man, you know, I know you're just trying to cover your ass, but I'm sorry, you're fired. Like, I can't listen to anyone talk to me like that. I like the way you just said that I can honestly never trust you again. That's a normal reaction to being talked to that way. That's insane. And this is on the record. And this was now hidden for over four years because it's so clearly damning of the entire community involved in the Russia hoax. So uh, John Solomon includes the memo there. You can go read the original memo, but continuing with the article, the email exchange does not reflect whether Clapper responded again. A report by Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz that sharply criticized Comey's FBI for misconduct in the Russia probe, including falsifying a document and submitting erroneous information to the courts, revealed that the very same day as the Clapper exchange, Comey signed the first application to renew a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant, thus extending the spying on page for another three months. The IG concluded the January 12th, 2017 application contained erroneous information. The FBI, this is a quote, by the way, from Horowitz's report. The FBI filed three renewal applications with the FISC on January 12th, April 7th, and June 29th, 2017. In addition to repeating the seven significant errors contained in the first FISA application and outlined above, we identified 10 additional significant errors in the three renewal applications. 17 errors. The January 12th, 2017 application signed by Comey was marked, quote, verified, representing to the FISA court that allegations from Steele's dossier that Page had met two sanctioned Russians in summer 2016 and had tried to change the GOP platform to help Moscow had been substantiated. In fact, they had not been verified. To the contrary, the FBI had intercepted Page talking to an informant denying he had met the Russians or been involved in the platform change. Two facts the FBI hid from the court. That's James Comey. The fact that Comey was telling the head of intelligence that Steele's information was not sufficiently corroborated while telling the court Steele's information in the FISA application was verified raises grave concerns, according to the chief counsel for the Southeastern Legal Foundation and according to anyone else with a moral compass and a brain. Quote, after a multi-year court battle led by the Southeastern Legal Foundation, this memo proves what we already suspected. Those at the highest levels of our government misled and lied to the court to get permission to spy on the Trump campaign, plain and simple. Attorney Kimberly Herman told Just the News. Comey's response to Clapper suggests he was either unfamiliar with key revelations his agents had made or trying to gloss them. For instance, Comey claimed Steele was, quote, reliable. In fact, the FBI had terminated Steele two months earlier for violating the terms of his confidential informant agreement by leaking to the news media. The FBI ha had also been warned by the CIA since 2015 that Steele was susceptible to Russian disinformation because he was too involved with oligarchs. Susceptible to Russian disinformation. 
That's Christopher Steele, the dossier, the peepee hoax. The entire Russian collusion narrative, Bob Mueller, impeachment, all of this bullshit. And the FBI had also been warned by the CIA since 2015 that Steele was susceptible to Russian disinformation because he was too involved with oligarchs. But sure, Hunter's laptop. And the FBI had interviewed in November 2016 one of Steele's former MI6 bosses who warned agents that Steele had overstated his seniority during the time he served in British intelligence. Quote, Steele's former employer told the FBI in November 2016, after the first application was filed, that Steele had served in a, quote, moderately senior position and not a, quote, high ranking position, as Steele had suggested. One memo from the probe shows. Likewise, Comey argued to Clapper that the FBI had some visibility into Steele's network of sources, and those sources were in a position to possibly know information. Well, I mean, everybody's in a position to possibly know information, for fuck's sake. In fact, the FBI had, by that time, received multiple warnings from CIA that Steele's network was likely compromised. For instance, In early October 2016, before the first FISA warrant was secured, the FBI team leading the Russia investigation, codenamed Crossfire Hurricane, was told that one source used by Steele and known as Person One was tied to Russian intelligence, yet failed to disclose this to the FISA court. And again, a lot of this is stuff I've talked about on the podcast before, but John Solomon has such a great way of incorporating the old information into the new information so that even if you're not that familiar with the material, you can get an idea of what the overriding narrative is. He's an excellent, excellent reporter, John Solomon, Just the News. Okay, a quote from the Horowitz Report, ready? According to a document circulated among Crossfire Hurricane team members and supervisors in early October 2016, Person 1 had a historical contact with persons and entities suspected of being linked to RIS, the acronym for Russian Intelligence Services, one footnote in the Horowitz report revealed. The document described reporting, redacted, that Person 1 was rumored to be a former KGB SBR or sorry, SVR officer, end quote. So the Horowitz report knew that Steele's primary subsource was known by the U.S. government to be a Russian agent linked to Russian intelligence services and rumored to be former KGB. And they still went with it. They used it to get a FISA warrant to spy on Americans. And one thing John Solomon always reminds us of is the two jump policy. So if they can spy on Carter Page and tap his phone calls, then not only can they tap his phone calls, but they can tap the calls of anyone he talks to and anyone those people talk to. For real. Think about that. Think about how many people you talk to and then how many people those people might talk to. 
That's a that's a big net of government surveillance and spying on American citizens. This is a fucking crime. And it's pretended that by talking about it, we are the conspiracy theorists. The FBI also failed to disclose to the FISA judge that the source known as Person One was under a separate counterintelligence investigation by the FBI, the IG report footnotes show. In fact, on January 12th, 2017, the very day Comey signed the, the FISA and engaged with Clapper, the FBI had received clear warnings in a report that some of Steele's dossier information about Trump lawyer Michael Cohen was, quote, part of a Russian disinformation campaign to denigrate U.S. foreign relations, end quote, according to another declassified footnote from the IG report. In other words, Comey's representations to Clapper and sworn avowals of verification to the FISA court had already been directly undercut by his bureau's own evidence. When I say on this podcast that these people should be in prison and that they are guilty of a coup and of sedition and potentially of treason, I am not making it up. James Comey is guilty of all of this. Hillary Clinton knew about it. Barack Obama knew about it. Joe Biden knew about it. The CIA was involved. The FBI was involved. Our foreign intelligence counterparts were involved. Is it really conspiratorial thinking to know that and then see how everything else is connected to this and how everything else is connected to everything else. It's not a conspiracy. It's just a complicated fucking world. And the idea that things don't have effects on other things, particularly when the same issues or same people are involved is crazy. This is real. Hillary Clinton Barack Obama and Joe Biden did this. This is a crime against America. They undermined an American president for four years while in office. That is a threat to the national security. This is how we get to the place we're at. It's this level of corruption, this level of dishonesty. None of this is unclear. It's completely clear. This is who these people are. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!